All right, today we're looking at, jo or sorry, not John, Mark, Mark chapter 14. And uh, JD, this is a really long chapter in Mark, but it's kind of straightforward because it's, uh, there, it's the story starting with when Jesus was anointed at Bethany all the way through the kind of the, the great supper or the last supper and um, eventually Jesus um, being betrayed. So a long chapter, but uh, a lot of people will find this to be a little bit familiar because it's kind of the, it's the story of the passion of the Christ, right? He's on his way to the cross here. Okay. So verse one, uh, it says there, it was two days before Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. So again, this, modern readers might not understand what this is talking about, but the Passover was this Jewish Jewish tradition, this Jewish ritual that was started way back in Exodus when when uh, Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt and and the the angel of death passed over. If you remember, that passed over all of the Jewish homes, but took the firstborn of all of the Egyptians. And even as I say that, you can maybe start putting together, oh, I see the symbolism in the Passover, right? That the, they had to slaughter this lamb and put the blood of the lamb above the doorpost. Firstborn. Yeah, and then the firstborn would be spared. So, so again, just think about that, everyone, as you're reading this. Jesus is the, is the ultimate Passover lamb. When Jesus sheds his blood then the angel of death will pass over our lives if our if the if the blood of Jesus is over our lives exactly right but Jesus but Jesus was the final passover lamb Jesus was the perfect this perfect unblemished sacrifice and that's why we don't have to do passover anymore and this was the event that made the pharaoh finally let him go this is what l allowed them to be free well yeah there were, if you because remember after that he would change his mind, right? Yeah, he would change his mind. So right, this was the last plague, right, of the 10 plagues as the firstborn was killed and finally Pharaoh relented and the Israelites got to leave, but then Pharaoh changed his mind and chased them and then the parting of the Red Sea and all that stuff, okay? But the significance of this, and is, this is really good, this is why I think it's important to understand a little bit about the Jewish festivals. So this Passover meal this Passover meal, which was a couple days away, right? Because it says here it was two days before the Passover meal. The Passover meal is the meal that Jesus was having with his disciples, is the Last Supper. So the last, which we now, we celebrate communion. And so for non-Jews, we don't, we don't, I think, sometimes we don't fully understand or appreciate the symbolism in all that, that, um, that Jesus was redefining the elements, right? The bread now... Now the unleavened bread meant something else now, and the and the cup meant something else. It wasn't about the the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. It was it was actually about Jesus's blood. So Jesus was was I would say not just redefining uh, the Passover feast at the Last Supper, but he is he is actually um, uh, fulfilling it. I mean this was this was the point like. We have to remember God had all this in mind way back in Exodus. Yeah. Even though we didn't see it, and the disciples were probably not even seeing it yet, God had all this in mind. So keep that in mind even as you read this chapter. I'm going to steal number four from you, yeah. even though you marked it. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked, and they were talking about the, the perfume that they poured on his head. Right. And and I, I find this jumping out at me because I'm assuming the people there were the disciples. Mm -hmm. And these disciples have been walking with Jesus and they know he's a pretty good straight shooter. Yeah. And yet they were indignant by what was being done or he allowed maybe. I don't know whether they're upset with him or 
or her for pouring a perfume on him. Yeah. But I want to go, don't we act like that ourselves? Don't we sometimes get indignant at what God allows or does mm. and not understand the full picture of what he's, what he's about? Yeah, because, yeah, this is about when Jesus was anointed and, and it, you know, that um, it, it, it was, it was this, a woman came, it says, and with a beautiful, beautiful alabaster jar, expensive perfume, she broke the jar, poured it. So it was just this extravagant, this incredibly extravagant act that I think normally Jesus was, was pretty simple and minimalist, right? Yes. And he loved Ex- the poor. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think Jesus just understood that this was this was part of the part of sort of signifying this important thing that he was about to do and i think what's interesting about this is it doesn't say who was indignant but my guess is judas was judas indignant. is indignant judas that's, was that's indignant. what i was going to say and, and yeah yeah that he didn't really fully understand and maybe this was part of in his own mind, the justification for when he's going to betray Jesus, because he did it. Judas betrayed Jesus for money. So I, th- I don't know if maybe for modern re- readers, we can say, and some people can get this way as you can, you can even start thinking the wrong way about money. Like you elevate money over Jesus. You, you elevate finances over Jesus. You know, you worship finances more than you worship Jesus. And I think that's what I would take away from this is that Jesus is saying, I'm more important than money. There's nothing too extravagant for me um, and and for what the work that he was going to do on the cross. So anyway, it is interesting that this whole chapter starts off with this interesting account of Jesus being anointed in this extravagant way. And then the next little little thing is that that Judas Iscariot um, meets with the leading priests and he he plans he arranges to betray Jesus. So again, that's why I think maybe those are connected. Judas was probably one of them at the table that day who was throwing a flag at Jesus. That, that's how I see it as a simple-minded person. But Yeah. Uh, and then the, ne- the next section, again, there's a lot to this, but now we get to the Last Supper, which we've already talked quite a bit about. And so verse 22, you marked it up and you said, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. He broke it and he said, take this for this is my body. And, and isn't there some Jewish symbology there about yep. eating of the body and... and Right. How offensive that might have been, is that correct? Well, I think in this, that's true. That's like cannibalism. Right. right. But more more than that, I think what what was, it doesn't say, it doesn't say the reaction of the disciples, but they were probably like, what is he saying? I don't understand this. And in retrospect, they could probably understand it. But at the time, they might not have even understood that, again, he was redefining the Passover meal. He was redefining this, this age-old Passover celebration that they they took to be one thing for thousands of years, but now Jesus is saying, "I'm fulfilling this. This was actually all about me all along, right? I am the I am the Lamb, um, and and he was. This was a complete redefinition of this age-old tradition. And then he again at the meal at the table he says, uh, "Oh no, actually there it says in verse 27 on the way they were they were leave, they had left now to go to the Mount of Olives." And Jesus told them, um, all of you will desert me, for the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. That had to be really confusing for them. That had to be super confusing, but as we sit here now today, it's just more proof of how the Old Testament pointed toward this very moment. Yes. And how Jesus pointed toward the moment, even with his closest friends. And Peter says, I'll never disown you. And Jesus said, "Uh, (laughs) yeah, you will. You know, even before the rooster crows. 
right? And so then they go to Gethsemane, uh, this olive grove um, in that area, and and there Jesus is saying, "Hey, I, you know, I'm I'm going to go pray." And he he prays this prayer that you mark up. I'm glad you marked this in verse thirty six. Verse thirty six. He cries out, "Abba, Father, everything's is is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me." Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Right. And, and there's an example of how we should probably pray. Mm-hmm. As we ask for what we think is best. Right. Or really hope to be best. Mm-hmm. But at the end, we have to go, your will be done. Yeah, I think it's a great model for us because some people feel like, is it selfish for me to pray something that I, that, that I want? Well, apparently not because Jesus didn't sin in exactly. praying this way. He says, ask for anything. Yeah. And so he does pray. He does. He acknowledges God's sovereignty, the Father's sovereignty. He asks for this cup of suffering because he knew what it was going to be. And so, so for some people are like, this is like one of the most human moments of Jesus. I think that, and it's encouraging to me that he didn't want to go through this, but he, at the end of the day, he said, "Your will, not mine." Yeah, good model for prayer. So. It, you know, as you read this, you're going to see that the disciples fell asleep on him. And so anyway, then we move to this section where he's betrayed with it by a kiss. Judas betrays him. And uh, and many many of us know this part of the story, but but a lot of people, J.D., don't know this this section in verse 51. Yeah, it, it, <clears throat> I, I highlighted it just because I, first time I'd noticed it, and it, it is kind of humorous, mm-hmm. um, but it, it gives something to the story. Give some authenticity to the mm-hmm. story where it said one young man following behind was clothed only in his long linen shirt. And when the mob tried to grab him, thinking he was part of the disciples, yeah. he slipped out of his shirt and ran naked away, or ran away <laughs> naked. Uh, you know, it's, it's humorous, but I think it shows what the mob looked like. Mm-hmm. It explains why the disciples got scared mm-hmm. and, and how horrifying it must have been. And, and, and it, was, it wasn't just like some... Some you know priest coming up say hey Jesus come with us yeah it was it was a lot more yeah and I think it is I've I guess I've never really noticed that verse before I've never preached on that one but I'm gonna someday make a sermon out of that because I think there must be something preach preachable in there okay and then and then he stands before the council and remember as you're reading this and again this is a long chapter but the 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 council he's standing before the Jewish council so that the Jews are gonna try him first. It's just everyone needs to remember that the Jews have to try him first, and then after they after the Jews try him, then the then the Romans are going to try him because the Jews didn't have the authority to crucify him. So so they try him for being for blasphemy, and Jesus Jesus answers them in verse sixty two. I I am. You will see the Son of Man seated in the, in the place of of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. So he just comes right out, and finally now he's revealing. I mean, think about it, J.D., this whole time, he keeps doing all these miracles and telling people, be careful, be quiet, don't tell anyone, but now all bets are off. He just boldly says. Yep, because it's time. Yep, it's time. It's time for him to go to the cross. And so he does, and they they, they say, he's guilty, he's blasphemous, how could he? Because basically he was claiming to be equal to God. I am is the name for God, Yahweh. And for those who get confused about who Jesus is and where he fits in the whole scheme... I think that pretty much sums it up right there. Yeah. And then the chapter ends with, you know, Peter sort of outside in the courtyard and he's he's being interrogated by some people. Hey, wait, aren't you a disciple? Nope, nope, nope. He just denies him three times and then the rooster crows. 
and and Peter breaks down and weeps. And so that's the end of this long chapter. It's a great it's a great chapter though as people read it and uh, and and we get ready for chapter 15 and 16 where Jesus goes to the cross.